Hello everyone, Nonstop BS, Cole Lynchide here. Today on the show we'll be going over the Atlanta Hawks firing head coach Nate McMillan during the All-Star break, the franchise tag window officially opening in the NFL. Um, we begin predicting starting quarterbacks around the NFL with the new league year upon us, starting out today with the AFC South and AFC East, and then all of that followed by our best bets for the upcoming NBA games on Thursday night, and one best bet that I've made already for the 2023 Pala Casino 400 at Fontana. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Are you sick and tired of listening to the legacy media speak repetitively on the same teams, topics, ideas, themes, and players every day? Nonstop BS is a podcast that will give you topics and thoughts about the NFL, NBA, college sports, NASCAR, and others with a deeper vision into why things happen the way they do around the world of sports. There are so many lazy takes from all your favorite media personalities that frustrate you and me every day when we turn on our television or phone. Whether it has to do with politics and sports, promoting big brands, and ridding topics of context just to sway the listener's opinion. I, for one, am sick and tired of this type of sports media, and that's why I'm bringing you Nonstop BS. Nonstop BS will dig deep into the why things happen in our favorite sports leagues, creating interesting conversation along with making me and you a smarter, more insightful, broad-thinking sports fan. Not to mention, I will give you betting picks for multiple leagues using our new way of thinking about the world of sports and having a little bit of fun with it, along with maybe putting some money in our wallets. So if this sounds like something you've been craving when tirelessly listening to people shout at you about how wrong you are from all of your favorite sports media outlets, then make sure you tune in with me, Cole Lynchide, and take the journey of these fantastic seasons we are gifted to enjoy for entertainment with me on Nonstop BS. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Nonstop BS. My name is Cole Lynchide. Super excited for another episode, our third episode that we've done here, and a lot of really interesting topics that we're going to get into today. We're going to start with the NBA, uh, a major head coaching move in the NBA, um, a head coaching firing, and then we're going to move on into the NFL with the franchise tag window officially opening. Have a little bit of a rundown with that, and then today we start, I teased it a little bit last episode, we start predicting every NFL quarterback around the uh, around the league, uh, who will be starting for them week one. And I'm super excited to do that. I think it's going to be really interesting. I think there's a lot of um, really interesting quarterback uh, question marks for a lot of teams around the NFL coming into the year. So that's going to be super fun. There may be some disagreements, obviously, with listeners, with me. Um, I'm not going to be telling you what I think should happen. I'm going to be telling you what I think will happen. So it's going to get really fun and interesting and running through a lot of the scenarios and situations. So like I said today, we'll start with the AFC South, AFC East. Next week, I'll plan on doing the AFC North and AFC West, and then we'll do the NFC over the over next week's two episodes. Um, and then, and obviously we'll be able to complete that before the new league year begins on March 15th, uh, and free agency opens, obviously when that happens, you can follow the show. If you're not on Twitter at Lynchide Cole, um, that's my Twitter. And then the, the show's Twitter account is at nonstop BS pod. Um, I give out all my bets and a lot of different information. And I try to tweet a lot during games, whenever I'm watching games, 
Um, I do a lot of interacting on Twitter, um, so it's really, really good to follow me there, uh, especially if we want to keep interacting with the show. Um, that's how I plan to grow the show a lot. I have a lot of other plans coming out, coming forward, but to start following me on Twitter is definitely the best thing to do. Um, I appreciate everybody who's subscribed to the podcast. I see I've got quite a few downloads, um, for the first couple episodes, which I'm really happy with. So I really appreciate that. If you could please rate review and subscribe the podcast, uh, and tell any friend that you think would be interested in it. Um, I got the show up on pretty much every platform except for Google Podcasts. I was having a little bit of an issue with that, but every other platform you possibly could find your podcast, I'm up on now. So, um, really excited about that. Really excited about a lot of things going forward, but let's start with the Atlanta Hawks firing head coach, Nate McMillan. Um, today, just about, I'm recording this obviously Tuesday night. Um, and, uh, the news broke just before 4 PM central time that Nate McMillan had been let go by ESPN. Um, The initial report just says that the Hawks dismissed coach Nate McMillan. Um, There's also reports from Adrian Wojnarowski um, on Twitter that the Hawks are starting a search for a new head coach immediately, sources tell us ESPN. Among the top characteristics in the search, player development, accountability, and getting the Hawks offense and defense into the league's top 10. Um, so far this season, the Atlanta Hawks rank 15th in offense. I believe it's 15th. Yeah, it's 15th in offense, 21st in defense. Um, and they sit right now at 29 and 30 in the East, 8th in the Eastern Conference. So right on the line, obviously, if you do not know, if you don't follow the NBA super close at this point, um, the last few years, the NBA has, um, it used to just be the top eight seeds getting to the playoffs. They revamped it, and now the top six seeds get in the playoffs. Seven through ten um, enter a play-in tournament. So uh, we can get more into that at a different time. But just talking about, so the Hawks are sitting at eighth right now. So they're in the in the um, play-in tournament at, at the eighth seed. Really an underperforming um, season so far for the Atlanta Hawks. They had a lot of high expectations. And for those of you that don't know, I'm, I'm completely transparent with people. I am an Atlanta Hawks fan. That's not the only reason. We're not only going to be going over Atlanta Hawks coverage for the NBA. Um, I'm going to cover pretty much everything, every big news that happens in the NBA. But this is massive news. Um, You know, just with the All-Star games and everything um, ending from the weekend on Saturday, Sunday, which I can talk a little bit about that too. Um, But but just after that now, uh, the Hawks... The Hawks decide to fire Nate McMillan during the All-Star break. Don't wait till the end of the season. There was a lot of reports and a lot of mumblings that they were going to probably part ways with McMillan after the season regardless, Uh, you know, obviously barring a playoff run, which wasn't looking like it was going to happen. But they decided to do it now. Um, And I think that the main reason is this team, like I said, they've underperformed massively this year. Uh, It's a team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago. Last year was were really underwhelming to begin the season. Had a bit of a run to get themselves into the playoffs as the eighth seed last year. Uh, they got in the playoff tournament, then won two games straight to get into the playoffs as the eighth seed, and were underwhelming uh, against the Miami Heat last year in the playoffs. So, um, and then this year, uh, with the core being Trey Young, John Collins, Clint Capella, uh, DeAndre Hunter, after he signs a contract with them. They bring in the final piece that they thought they could add to the puzzle. Bogdan Bogdanovich, another massive piece for them. But they bring in the final piece of the puzzle, which they thought was going to help 
Trey Young massively in DeJounte Murray. DeJounte Murray's played really well as a Hawk. The problem is this team has not stayed healthy for one, and for two, and two, they have not meshed like Nate McMillan and the front office had expected them to. Um, been a lot of inconsistent play, and that's kind of been the story ever since Nate McMillan's tenure. And honestly, even before when McMillan was an assistant coach, um, he became he w- he became the interim in 2020, 20, the 2020-2021 uh, season, and. Um, and during that time, he, they they got hot. Obviously, when he came in as interim, they made a run to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, but then, ever since last year, the beginning of last year, the Hawks have been super inconsistent. They've had weeks where they're fantastic, weeks where they lose by twenty points consistently to some of the worst teams in the NBA with the starting lineup in. So, um, it, it, you know, the consistency and the not developing a lot of young talent that they've brought in because they have some really talented young players on their team. Anyaka Kangwu, um, you know, pl- pl- plenty of draft picks that really have played well in spurts, but they just have not had the consistency. You can even go to DeAndre Hunter with that. So John Collins is another example of it. Um, so this team really needs someone to come in and really control the locker room. There was a lot of issues earlier on in the season with Trey Young and Nate McMillan, uh, rumblings that John Collins was kind of outed in the locker room. Um, so so it's been kind of a mess, but they're a super talented group that is trying to build, obviously, around Trey Young, and they have a lot of pieces to be able to do that. This team should be at least a 7-6 to six seed in the East, and they should be definitely competing with some of the top teams in the East. They definitely aren't one of the most talented. They aren't one of the top three talented, most talented teams in the East. That's clearly Boston, Milwaukee, and and uh, Philadelphia. But I mean, to say that this team can't be at least competing and 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 nearing the level of the Cleveland Cav- Cleveland Cavaliers right now with what they're doing, um, I, I think that that's ridiculous. I think that this team obviously needed to make a change. I don't know if Nate McMillan was necessarily the problem. That's going to be figured out here coming forward or uh, going forward, but. Um, it's going to be exciting to see what they can do um, with the interim head coach coming in, which I did not even uh, say. But the report is uh, that assistant coach um, Joe Prunty, uh, who was a former assistant and interim coach for the Milwaukee Bucks, amongst other teams, is going to be the interim head coach. Um, some of the leading candidates for the head coach for the Atlanta Hawks in their wide-ranging search right now reported by Wojnowski also on Twitter, are uh, Quinn Snyder, former head coach for the Utah Jazz during the uh, Rudy Gobert and um, Donovan Mitchell era, um, and then also Bucks assistant Charles Lee and Golden State Warriors assistant Kenny Atkinson. So it's going to be exciting, going to be interesting to see what the Hawks do with their young, talented roster and if they can kind of turn around and salvage the season and turn it into at least a playoff team. I think that's what they're kind of hoping for, and then something to build off next year with the new coaching staff. So I'm super excited about that, um, and very interesting. The Atlanta Hawks are going to turn into a very interesting team to watch here down the stretch in the NBA. Okay, moving on to the NFL. Franchise tag window officially opens today, and there's not really a lot to report on right now, but there are very interesting names and some stuff that's going to some stuff's going to happen that's going to. Uh, really define the offseason, I think, with this franchise tag window here, which is kind of the primer for the whole offseason, if you ask me. Um, a lot of the big-name free agents during the franchise tag window, for those who don't know, 
Um, they, they, the teams have the option to either exclusively franchise tag them or put a transition tag on them, um, or different options of basically locking the player up for one year or guaranteeing themselves a draft pick if somebody's going to come and snatch up those players. So some interesting names, obviously to watch are with contracts expired are Lamar Jackson, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Orlando Brown of the Chiefs. Um, those are some of the, I guess, highest you know, uh, caliber or, or top names that you're going to be watching here during the franchise tag window. And obviously it starts with the quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, uh, the highlight highlighted one there, (laughs) um, with the Baltimore Ravens. And, um, you know, it's going to be really, really, really telling, um, how the Ravens start to handle this Lamar situation. I mean, they, to me, they've mishandled it to this point. Um, I, I think, Obviously, both sides have a point to their bargaining. And for those who don't know, because I haven't talked about it on the show yet, Lamar Jackson has been in contracts, a contract standoff, basically, as reported, um, with the Ravens for the last two seasons. He's now had five seasons with the Baltimore Ravens after being selected 32nd overall in the 2018 draft. He's played fantastic. He won MVP in the 2019 regular season, going 14-2 and that year. Um, and you know, Lamar's, I mean, outside of playoff wins, he's done pretty much anything, anything and everything that uh, you could ask for out of a young quarterback in the NFL, but he also is an incredible risk. And I think that's where the problem obviously lies for the Ravens and trying to figure out what the best option for the team is, um, for, for, for the team going forward. I mean, Lamar Jackson is 20, going to be 26 this season. Um, and, and not that he's old by any means, but if you think about running backs in the NFL, usually they start to, you know, hit the back, the back nine for lack of a better term, um, around the age of 28, 29 and Lamar Jackson for multiple seasons has toted a load running the ball, not only passing, but running the ball just about as much as any running back in the NFL as most starting running backs in the NFL. So um, he, he's got a lot of wear and tear and a lot more than I think the average quarterback. And that's why I think Lamar's struggling to get a contract, uh, comparable to some of the top other quarterbacks and even quarterbacks that he's outperformed. Um, so with that standoff kind of going on, but Lamar Jackson wants guaranteed money, very similar to a lot of quarterbacks nowadays who are trying to reset the way that contracts are, um, are given out in the NFL, uh, Players are trying as hard as they can. A lot of them, some of them have been successful, some not at getting guaranteed contracts. Lamar's trying to do that. Um, and the Ravens are not budging really. So uh, I, I think that the Ravens are going to, me personally, and this is going to kind of spoil uh, next on Saturday morning when I talk about the AFC North and predicting their quarterbacks, but. I'm going to have to do it, obviously. I, th- I think that Lamar Jackson is going to get exclusively franchise tagged by the Ravens, but I think that it's only going to be because they are going to finally come to an agreement with Lamar this offseason on a contract. I think the Ravens have kind of... Uh, they, they've, <laughs> they haven't played their cards the best to this point, and they're kind of running out of options. They, they cannot afford to get rid of Lamar Jackson. They cannot afford to let him walk. They can't really... Um, find any replacement that's similar to Lamar Jackson he's kind of um he's he's a pretty unique quarterback to say the least and he's meant a ton to this team this team has lost I mean 
about they've won they've only won about 25 to 30 percent of their games when Lamar is not on the field since he's been drafted by the Ravens um and they've won closer to 70 percent 65 to 70 percent of their games when Lamar Jackson's been on the field so um I think the Ravens are going to end up coming to an agreement with him but I think he will be franchise tagged first Daniel Jones with the New York Giants a more interesting one for sure um I I I want to. I I feel like they're probably going to end up putting the transition tag on Lamar. The transition tag is a lot cheaper franchise tag, but um, somebody can come in and swoop Daniel Jones away for the price of a, I believe it's a second round draft pick, and then they would have to pick up that tag as well. And I don't see really any teams coming in and doing that with Daniel Jones. So I think he's going to end up staying with the Giants on a tag. I think that seeing him in a second year with Brian Dayball is something that the Giants would probably be interested in, but not locking him up long-term. Um, and the Giants are in a funny spot right now because it's really how much do they see this roster as being a Brian Dayball product, or or do they actually see the roster as having some untapped talent on it that they want to kind of build around, and they think that Daniel Jones is someone included in that that they can build around. I think it's going to be really interesting um, to see what happens there. I think, like I said, he's going to get transition tagged, and nobody's going to take nobody's going to come get him and he may play on it even this year um just so they can get one more year of seeing daniel jones in this system uh okay i don't think i'm really going to go over saquon barkley or orlando brown yet maybe we'll go over that on saturday um before these guys end up starting to get tagged i guess they possibly could get tagged now uh, but i don't really see teams usually don't act super fast uh except for in kind of rare um, few situations with the franchise tags. So we'll, we will, like I said, touch back on that on Saturday. But, though, I mean, Lamar Jackson, Daniel Jones, obviously the two most interesting pe- players with expired contracts that could get tagged. Okay, moving on. We are going to start out predicting starting quarterbacks in the NFL with the AFC South. So some of these are going to definitely be a little bit, like, obvious, like, boring. I mean, you know, there's one in this division. Uh, it, it's pretty obvious who the starting quarterback is going to be. I, I'm not trying to bore you. I'm not trying to, you know, just, like, waste time or anything like that. But I'm going to go over every team, and just so you can kind of get the lay of the land and what I see happening. So let's start out here with the Indianapolis Colts, which is going to be kind of a shocker to a lot of people. The Colts last season had Matt Ryan as their starting quarterback for most of the season. Um, They also had a rotation of a different cast of characters with the chaos that happened with the team. And Sam Ellinger started some games. Nick Foles started some games. The Colts are really in a reboot. They just hired, obviously, like we talked about on Saturday, Shane Steichen as their new head coach, former offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. They're trying to build new on the offense. And they have an offensive line with some pieces to build around but outside of that and Jonathan Taylor obviously at running back they don't have a lot when you talk about receivers they have Michael Pittman Jr. they drafted Alec Pierce last year but obviously very unproven talents at the wide receiver position so they're really trying to build like I said this offense brand new and I see them going and being aggressive in the draft they sit at the fourth overall pick in the draft right now I see them being aggressive and moving up and drafting Bryce Young with the first overall pick now, this is obviously, I'm not going to be able to do this exercise without spoiling 
um, some stuff. And I'm not gonna, I'm gonna try to just avoid it until we get to those teams. We'll we'll revisit it when we get back to those teams. Obviously, the Chicago Bears sit with the first overall pick right now. I'm predicting that the Colts trade up and deliver a haul <laughs> to draft Bryce Young, quarterback out of Alabama, and completely revamp their quarterback position. Um, offense going forward will be fresh, brand new with Steichen and Bryce Young, and the Colts will finally be able to draft their guy after rotating veterans year in, year out over the last four or five years in the Frank Reich regime. Um, so obviously super exciting there. First overall pick Bryce Young already off the board for me in my quarterback exercise. Um, but yeah, so very, very exciting, obviously probably for any Colts fans to hear that. Okay. Moving on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Here's the obvious one. Trevor Lawrence, of course, Trevor Lawrence played fantastic last year. First overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft. Uh, the Jaguars started the season last year, two and seven ended up nine and or two and six. I'm sorry. Ended up nine and eight. After a seven and two run, if I can do math, obviously <laughs> a seven and two run um, to get themselves into the playoffs. Trevor Lawrence had a fantastic comeback in the um, wild card round against the uh, L.A. Chargers, and then ended up losing to the Kansas State Chiefs in the divisional round. But this team still doesn't have the talent at, that most playoff teams, especially in the AFC, had. And Trevor Lawrence is a I mean, he's, he turned into over the last half of this, the last half of, of the 2021 or 2022 season, uh, a franchise quarterback that they're going to be building around for years and years. So super exciting stuff. I expect the Jaguars to be favored in this division when the markets open up for, um, for the divisional winners. Um, and, um, the, I mean, there's no way they won't be the, the favorite in the division. So moving on next, the Houston Texans. This is interesting. Again, the Texans right now in the draft sit at the second overall pick. Um, and I think that they are going to be this, this kind of factors, this kind of blends in with the Colts drafting Bryce, Pet, Bryce Young. Uh, I think that the Texans are going to be outbid basically by their division rivals for moving up to the first overall pick to draft Bryce Young, the quarterback that everyone uh, wants. I, and that's not reported yet, but I think that that is true. I think that's what these teams are trying to figure out is what it's going to cost them to trade up with the Bears to draft Bryce Young, or if they'll be able to. Um, and I think the Texans, like I said, they're going to lose out in a in a bidding war because the Colts are so desperate to get their guy finally. Uh, they're going to lose out, and they're going to have to settle with C.J. Stroud. Ohio State quarterback, uh, I'm predicting, will go second overall where the Texans sit right now. And the new coaching regime, regime of D'Amico Ryan's... Um, of D'Amico Ryan's staff will be able to bring in their guy of CJ Stroud uh, and start to build around him. The Texans over the last two seasons since trading away to Sean Watson have started Davis Mills and another cast of characters um, when he's been hurt, but mostly Davis Mills has been their guy. And you know, he's been solid, but he was a third round pick in 2021 and he's he's not somebody that they're going to build around. That's clear. The Texans have been kind of waiting to hit the complete reset button at quarterback until they find their head coach of the future and they can kind of build their roster up and get some key pieces on it, which they've done in the draft over the last few seasons. So the Texans are a young team. I'm not sure this is going to be the year that they really start to break out and start to be super interesting, but I think that they have a lot of promise going forward with the new coaching staff of D'Amico Ryans, which I thought was an A-plus hire. Um, and then C.J. Stroud, who's my personal favorite quarterback in this draft, uh, ending up on the Houston Texans. 
Okay. Last but not least in the AFC South, the Tennessee Titans. Last year um, and over the last four seasons, Ryan Tannehill has been the starting quarterback for the Houston Test Tech or the, the, the Houston Texans, the Tennessee Titans. Um, Tannehill has played really well um, for them, but last season um, the Titans started out seven and three. Looked like they were going to be a playoff team again after being the one seed the year prior in 2021. Tannehill goes down with an injury, and just before he did, the Titans started to lose a few games here and there. Uh, ended up going from seven and three to seven and ten with Malik Willis and Joshua Dobbs starting the remaining games um, after Tannehill got hurt. Tannehill, like I said, he's been a good quarterback for them. He he's been a really good quarterback for them, and for what Mike Vrabel runs. Um, with the Derrick Henry-led offense uh, and a fantastic offensive line the Titans have had as a a whole over the Mike Vrabel, Ryan Tannehill tenure with with, uh, the Titans. But a lot of those players are starting to age. The the Titans right now sit about $23 million over the cap, and they have a lot of contracts that they're going to have to get rid of, of players that are nearing the age of 30. And Tannehill will be... Will have a dead cap hit of just over eighteen million dollars if they try to move on from him. He's owed thirty six million against the cap, but he does have two void years coming up uh, over the next two years on his contract that they can push money out with. I think that the Titans are going to kind of try to do a competitive rebuild, is what a lot of people call it. And you know, it's not my favorite term, but I think people get the point when you hear that they're not going to completely tear this thing down. They have a lot of like I said, they have a lot of players that they're going to have to get rid of this season. Uh, on the defense, when you talk about a bunch of different guys, on the offensive line, Taylor Lewan right now has no dead cap hit. If if they end up cutting him, he's owed $14 million this year. Um, and they just have a lot of aging players. Uh, Danico Autry is another one that I was trying to think of his name as I'm trying to pull up my, my information on the Titans um, roster, which is taking me one second. Bear with me if you don't mind. Um, but you know, overall, the point is is that the Titans have a lot of money that they're going to be trying to uh, save, and I think the best thing for them to do. But but they also don't want to completely tear it down. I think that the best thing that the Titans can do, and I think that what they're going to do with Mike Vrabel as head coach, um, and them not wanting to completely tear this thing down and restart from from the from the bare minimum. Is they're gonna cut some some of these contracts? The other names I was talking about, uh, Bud Dupree, uh, Harold Landry would be an easy one, um, and uh, yeah, so Danico Autry. Like I said, I think that they are going to try to push some more money from Ryan Tannehill into the future. They're gonna roll with Tannehill. They're gonna roll with a lot of the pieces that they have on offense. When with Derrick Henry, um, they've got a young receiver in T- uh, Traylon Burks they drafted in the first round last year who showed promise when he was healthy and on the field. They're going to try to rebuild this offense and free agency the best they can with the money that they save from cutting some players uh, that, 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 like I said, have these bad contracts. And they're going to keep Ryan Tannehill for one more year. I could definitely see... I don't think the Titans are going to be in a position where they can really draft someone uh, super high in the first round. I think they're going to lose that because they, they're not desperate enough to give up a ton for a quarterback this season but I would not be surprised to see them take a quarterback in the second or third round 
um, to try to to try to try to sit behind Tannehill and 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 try to get him ready for next year and to be able to come in and compete when when they end up letting Ryan Tannehill walk. Um, so I do see, like I said, I do see Ryan Tannehill as the starting quarterback for the Titans next year. I think this team is going to be a team kind of in the middle of the NFL, maybe even to the lower half. Uh, it's it's going to be. It's going to be probably a frustrating year for the Titans. <laughs> That's my prediction. It's going to be similar to last year, but Tannehill is someone that at least doesn't doesn't make them lose lose face and doesn't make them a complete tire fire and have to blow this whole thing up, which I don't think, like I said, I, that Vrabel uh, wants to go down that route. Uh, he's one of the best coaches in the NFL, and I think he'll keep this thing afloat pretty well. Okay, I'm going to take a quick break here, and then we will be back with predicting the quarterbacks of the AFC East here on Nonstop BS. Okay, went a little bit long there. Sorry about that. Welcome back, everyone. Um, I'm going to try to speed it up here a little bit, and I think the AFC East is a little more um, self-explanatory, except for maybe one team, a little bit of a tease. So um, we'll, we'll speed this up here a little bit, though, because I do have bets I want to give out to before we end the show, and I don't want to go too long. So... Okay, start off here, the Buffalo Bills. I mean, let's, let's you know, this is a little bit ridiculous, but jo- Josh Allen, of course, obviously. Uh, their main building block, their, their main building, <laughs> their engine of their whole team on offense. Josh Allen's going to be the starting quarterback for the Bills uh, next season, barring a catastrophic event taking place of any sort. Um, <laughs> yeah no I mean yeah but no no more time need to be wasted Josh Allen is the starting quarterback of the Buffalo Bills Dol- the Miami Dolphins a little more interesting obviously Tua Tagovailoa, their quarterback last year um had multiple concussions some one that was uh obviously on Thursday night football against the Cincinnati Bengals that was one of the most nasty and sad and 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 hard to watch uh injuries that I've seen in in the NFL we had a couple of those this year um but yeah obviously that was really tough to watch he sat out a few weeks Teddy Bridgewater um started a few games he got hurt himself and they had Skylar Thompson their rookie quarterback play a few games for them as well down the stretch including their playoff game uh after Tua like like I was like I'm getting to got a second concussion last year and sat out the remainder of the season so a lot of question marks obviously with Tua's future not just with the team but in the NFL and in his football career going forward um but I do still see Tua um whether people like this or not whether I like it or not I see Tua end up coming back and trying to play for the Miami Dolphins again this season not sure how that's going to go. I think it's it's going to be a really touchy and interesting situation that the Dolphins have with Tua Tagovailoa, a super talented quarterback. Not the most consistent. Not maybe what they were completely hoping for when they drafted him um, uh, uh, fifth overall uh, in two thousand and and twenty. But Tua has played really well in spurts, and he's shown a lot of promise. He's still a super young quarterback. If he can stay healthy, and if it's if it's advised that it's safe for him to play football at this point of his career, um, I think that he will be um, a, a good quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. So, uh, you know, definitely a storyline we're going to be watching and probably talking about as the offseason goes on. It's definitely going to be one that it has a lot of publicity and has a lot of questioning and has a lot of talking points on. So um, we'll we'll be keeping up on that going forward. But I do see Tua. Uh, right now as being the Dolphins starting quarterback week one that's my prediction Um, and that's that for the Miami Dolphins okay 
by far the most interesting team in the NF- in in the AFC East, and I I think most interesting team quarterback wise in the NFL this season is the New York Jets. The Jets last season had one of the best drafts I think I've ever seen an NFL team have. Uh, Rookies on their team won Offensive Rookie of the Year and Defensive Rookie of the Year in wide receiver Garrett Wilson and cornerback Sauce Gardner. That's not even to mention uh, running back Brees Hall, who very well may have won Offensive Rookie of the Year if he did not get hurt. Um, and, and, And also a few other players on defense that were standout and fantastic for the Jets. This is one of the best young rosters in the NFL. No question about it. And last season, it without injuries, major injuries uh, along their offensive line, with Elijah Vera Tucker getting hurt, uh, Makai Becton getting hurt yet again, um, and, and Brees Hall then obviously at running back getting hurt, um, some injuries on defense. If this team would not have had injuries... They would have probably made the playoffs as a wild card team with Mike White, Joe Flacco, and Zach Wilson at quarterback. Zach Wilson was the second overall pick in the 2021 draft, um, and he has been underwhelming to say the least for the New York Jets. The Jets finally have been able for the for the last decade they've been a complete tire fire in the NFL. Uh, they've finally been able to build up a young roster that has a ton of promise. And they've been they're a quarterback away, and they let Sam Darnold go. Good decision. Draft Zach Wilson with the second overall pick, and a draft that also included Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and Mac Jones going in that first round. And it's cost them big time. So I'm expecting a major move out of the New York Jets, and they brought in um, Nathaniel Hackett, head coach of the Denver Broncos last year as their offensive coordinator. It didn't exactly work the way the Broncos were hoping for it to last year with bringing Aaron Rodgers over to the Broncos, but I do predict that the Jets will make a trade um, with the Green Bay Packers for Aaron Rodgers, and they will bring Aaron Rodgers in to the Jets, and this team is going to be super interesting, to say the least. I mean, (laughs) if this happens, I, I I don't see anyone in the AFC that I would have favored over the Jets to win the AFC outside of, obviously, the Chiefs, Bills, and possibly Bengals. Mostly everyone would say they'd have the Chiefs, Bills, and Bengals favored over the Jets. I think the Bengals are close with the Jets if they get Aaron Rodgers. I mean, we're going to have to see what else they can they do building-wise, how much money they have left over. Uh, like I said, they have a lot of players on rookie contracts right now. They have quite a bit of cap space um, that they're going to be able to play with. Uh, once they kind of make their roster moves that they need to before the new league year starts. But, like, I, you know, depending on how this next draft goes and what they bring in in free agency, and honestly what the rest of the teams in the AFC do as well, I, I don't see a way where the Jets, with Aaron Rodgers, if this does happen, are not one of the best teams in the AFC. I'm, I'm super excited about this team going into this year. If this does happen, we're going to be talking about this quite a bit. The Jets will be one of the most exciting teams in the NFL. So, um, super excited about that. But yeah, so I see Aaron Rodgers. I know this is probably a shocker to a lot of people. A lot of people are probably in disbelief, don't really think this is going to happen. This, I'm not the only one. I'm not the original person to, to think this one up. I'm not saying that by any means. But I do predict this coming true. And I'm sure that's shocking still to a lot of people. And a lot of people probably disagree with me. <laughs> but it'll, it'll to be determined, obviously. Okay. Wrapping it up, the New England Patriots, it's going to be Mac Jones. Um, they bring in offensive 
Um, They bring in a new offensive coordinator in Bill O'Brien, uh, former Houston Texans head coach. Last year was the Alabama Crimson Tides offensive coordinator. Uh, I think that that's going to be massive for Mac Jones. There was a lot of turmoil with the coaching decisions. Um, multiple, obviously, Joe Judge and uh, Matt Patricia both sharing the offensive coordinator duties last year. Matt Patricia, a former defensive coordinator for the Patriots and off and head coach for the Lions. Um, and Joe Judge, the failure, complete failure of a head coach for the um, for the New York Giants after being a special teams coordinator for the Patriots. An interesting duo, obviously. It, there was a lot of conversation about that, and it completely failed the Patriots' offense last season. Mac Jones had a lot of turmoil, and I think this is going to be a lot better for him. I think he's a talented quarterback. I think the Patriots take a step forward this season. They have quite a bit of they have quite a bit of young talent that people don't really talk about on the Patriots. This division overall is going to be one of the best divisions in football, if not the best division in football uh, in 2023. So, I mean, it's like I said, the AFC is super tough. I, I, with Bill Belichick, though, and Bill Bryan, an offensive coordinator, and the, the Patriots obviously bringing in another wide receiver. Um, I mean, it's been, it's been a disaster for wide receivers for Mac Jones since he's gotten into the league. I see Mac Jones taking a big step forward this year in this offense. So Mac Jones, starting quarterback for the Patriots. So to run through those back really quick, uh, Indianapolis Colts, Bryce Bryce Young, Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, Texans, C.J. Stroud via the draft, Bryce Young via the draft as well. The Titans stick with Ryan Tannehill, then moving to the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills, uh, Josh Allen. The Dolphins stay with Tua Tagovailoa. The Jets trade for Aaron Rodgers, and the Patriots stick with their first-round quarterback from 2021, Mac Jones. Okay, moving on to the final part of the episode. I'm going to give you guys my best bets for the coming up NBA games with the All-Star break, All-Star break Excuse me, coming to an end on Thursday. Thursday's the first slate of games in the NBA. Um after the all-star break. So I got a couple games. I'm going to be giving you guys some bets for that. If you're interested. Uh, and then I have also a bet for the race coming up on Sunday uh, at Fontana in California. Um, okay. First of all, let me pull up my page here of my bets. If you guys want to follow all of my bets, if the betting side is what you're interested in, if you're just interested in the sports talk, go ahead and shut the episode off right now. That's fine. That's I'm no problem with that at all. I'm really interested and have a lot of fun with sports betting. Um, I love the math that's involved with it. I love the um, excitement that's involved with it. I think it's it makes watching sports it takes it to another a completely another level. It's not for everyone. And I don't think everyone should do it, and I don't think that you should do it unless you really enjoy it and unless you can uh, really limit yourself as well. Um, I do not bet for very much money, <laughs> not very much at all, and I think that's how it should be. Uh, I think you should do it for pure enjoyment. If you're putting yourself at risk at all, you need to completely stop. I mean, it, it, it's it's not something to mess around with. Everyone knows that, but you can get carried away really quickly. I make sure I don't. I do it for fun, 
But at the same time, I think it's fun to talk about. I think it makes sports talk a lot more fun. And so that's why I'm going to talk about it. So there's a little disclaimer. I probably should have done it in the first two episodes. I'll just tell you now. Um, But here we go. So coming up in the NBA, on Thursday, I like two games, like I said. The first one is the Oklahoma City Thunder taking on the Utah Jazz. This is an 8 o'clock tilt central time. Um, this is And this is Thursday, February 20, 23rd. Um, right now, the Jazz at most books are a 2.5 to 3-point favorite. Um, the Thunder, or, minor, or the, the total in the game is uh, 239.5. The Thunder are plus 125 on the money line. Um, and that's my bet that I like in this game. I like the the Thunder at plus 125. That's the best odds out there for their money line. Um, listen, I mean, the Jazz are a team that were really competitive over the first uh, over the first part of the NBA season coming into the All-Star break. But they're showing a lot of signs, and especially in a Western Conference that just got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on two playoff-ready teams that are trying to go for the championship this year. They do not have enough talent to compete with a lot of most of these teams in the Western Conference, and they know that they have a lot of rebuilding to do. I think you're going to see the Jazz start to kind of let the brakes or pump the brakes a little bit on the season as the season goes on. Um, but the Thunderer team, that while they obviously have, I think, a year or two left of building before they're going to be really competitive, Shea, Shea Gillis Alexander has been fantastic this year, and he's not the only one they have a lot of super young talent on this team um when you talk about i mean the likes of uh jane williams and and m- multiple other guys multiple other young guys on the team the the thunder are a team that has all gas that that's on all gas no breaks i mean they're they're going for it this year <laughs> they they're done building they believe they have the team that's ready to compete so I'm going to be on the Thunder probably quite a bit here coming into the All-Star break. I think the Thunder are going to be um, really, really competitive here for the for, for the play-in tournament uh, coming down the stretch. So uh, Thunder at plus 125, that's my reasoning. That's my bet. The second one that I like is the L.A. Lakers. You heard LeBron, I'm sure, if you watch the All-Star tournament uh, or the All-Star game and, and a lot of the, the media sessions that went on after it and stuff. You heard LeBron talking. He's not messing around anymore. A lot of these games that him and Anthony Davis have been sitting out um, and, and taking kind of their breaks and stuff so that they don't get hurt um, because they obviously just can because especially LeBron, I mean, he can pretty much do whatever he wants. Uh, getting into the playoffs means a ton to LeBron James at this point in the season, and I don't think you're going to see LeBron sit out games unless he gets hurt. I think Anthony Davis is going to be super motivated, and as long as he can stay healthy for the remainder of the season, I think the Lakers are going to be a lot better than they were over the first half of the season. Um, they play the Golden State Warriors on Thursday night. This one is a 9 o'clock tilt. I believe, yes, it is 9 o'clock central tilt. Uh, right now, the Lakers are favored. They opened at, uh, th- as a 3.5-point favorite. They've moved now to a 4.5-point favorite. Uh, five at some books, but you can still get a uh, minus four and a half, um, minus one ten. Uh, the total I didn't even mention. The total is uh, two thirty eight for this game. Um, but my bet in this game, I bet a lot of spreads in the NBA. My bet is my, uh, the Lakers minus four and a half. Um, I think that the Lakers are going to start off right out of the All Star break as hot as you've seen them all season. Right now they're twenty seven and thirty two. 
Um, and no Steph Curry also on the Golden State Warriors. He's still sidelined with an injury, um, and he's not supposed to be back, I don't believe, for another two to three weeks, they're thinking, possibly. So the Warriors are kind of struggling at this point, and the Lakers just traded for D'Angelo Russell. They're gonna be they're gonna be firing on all cylinders. And and I think LeBron's gonna go out and basically will this team do a win here right out of the gates of the All-Star break. So Lakers minus four and a half. That's my second bet. Okay. Final bet of the night and final piece of content for the night is going to be in the NASCAR race coming up. Um, if you guys followed me on Twitter, I did a giveaway. I did a little tournament. Nobody really participated, but that's okay. I know it's a new podcast and not very many people are following along yet. But if you do follow me on Twitter, I'm going to do it every single week for the NASCAR race. Um, if you guys are interested, if you can, if you retweet my post and if you um, s- send me proof of subscribing and, and rating the podcast and you can predict who's going to win the race correctly... I'm going to do a giveaway of some money on Twitter. So follow me on Twitter and and take a uh, take a chance. I mean, it's free. There's there's nothing to risk. It's all fun. It's all for content for the show. So um, please take part in that if you if you want. And I, I'd really appreciate it. Obviously, okay. My first bet. I'm going to have more on Saturday morning for you guys. My first bet for the race on Saturday though is Brad Keselowski at fifty to one. Um. Brad Keselowski, they, they didn't race at Fontana in 2021. Last year, Keselowski struggled pretty much all season long in his first season in the number six car for Roush Fenway Racing. Um, the team's now Roush Fenway, Roush Fenway, <laughs> struggling on that, Roush Fenway Keselowski Racing as he's um, taking a part ownership role with the team. And I think Keselowski's going to have quite a bounce back year this year. I think the team took a while to build last season. Keselowski's a super talented racer. Uh, he won a Cup Series championship back early on in his career. And um, he's always been super successful outside of last season at Fontana. Not counting last season, um, over a, a six-year stretch from 2015 to 2020, Keselowski finished in the top five, five out yeah, a six-year stretch. I don't know if I said that right. It's a six-year stretch. Kozlowski was in the top five for f- five out of six times. He was in the top ten six out of six times, and he won the race in 2015. He's super successful at Fontana. Right now, he's being disrespected in the market based off of how he performed last season as a whole, not how he performed just at Fontana, but how he performed last season as a whole. And I think Keselowski's going to have. I don't think. I don't know that he's going to win the championship. I don't know he's going to be one of the best drivers in NASCAR. He performed really well at Daytona. Was in a position to win the race until um, the caution bogus that happened at the end of the race. I was on Keselowski, so I'm a little bit bitter about it. But I do think Keselowski. I'm going to be on him a lot this year, especially in the beginning of the year. Uh, and I think Keselowski's going to have a nice bounce back season. And I love him. Love him for Fontana, especially at fifty to one. I think the odds are ridiculous. So Brad Kozlowski at Fontana. Um, trying to remember, I, I said it in the beginning of the episode because I had it pulled up the name of the race. It's the Pala Casino 400 um, on Sunday. That race is going to be at 2:30 uh, Central Time on Sunday. So Brad Kozlowski 50 to one. We've got on th- that's like I said for Sunday on Thursday night in the NBA. We've got the Thunder at plus 125 and the LA Lakers at as a four and a half point favorite. Um, 
with the Warriors visiting the Lakers. Okay. Thank you guys again for listening to the show. Again, if you missed in the beginning of the episode, you can follow me on Twitter at Lynchide Cole. Uh, you can follow the show at on Twitter at nonstop BS Pod. Um, please rate, review, and subscribe. The show is available, like I said, at anywhere you can get your podcast, except for Google Podcasts. I'll be working on that as well, if that's where you get your podcasts at. Uh, tell anyone that you know, if they love listening to sports talk without ridiculous forced attitude, aggression, drama, that Nonstop BS is the podcast for them. Um, I'm going to do my best to keep get building content and, and building more activities and, and fun things that we can do with the show, even outside of the podcast. So I've got a ton of ideas. I've got a possible second host that I may have come in and do some episodes with me. So I'm excited about that. That may add some more content and some more fun podcasts that we can do. So a lot of exciting stuff going forward. I'm having a blast with this podcast. I'm really happy that you guys are listening and that you're enjoying it as well. Hopefully you are. Um, but until Saturday morning, uh, this is Cole Inside with Nonstop BS. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. personally felt like we had a really successful episode and you know we're not really about the saris like any of the catch-ups like where i was what i was doing you know what we did it we moved on and